our life, we make all kinds of connections. From our neighbors to our co-workers, from family members to people we interact with in business every day. What about the connections we make to ourself? Today, we'll explore the connections that we make and how they define our lives. This is Things Worth Considering with host Gord Riddell. It's time to listen and learn. Hi, and welcome to Things Worth Considering. I'm Gord Riddell, and I am here with Alexia Georgiopoulos and uh, George Rusis. <laughs> I just wanted to see if you were still awake. It's just a good great name, Georgiopoulos. That was a good one. That was a really good one. There probably is a Georgiopoulos out there, I'm sure. I'm sure there is. And they're probably going to phone us. Uh, <laughs> uh, and we uh, are actually picking up a bit from last week um, when we were talking. Um, we had just started uh, uh, talking about a meeting that took place at Harvard Business uh, uh, Review covered on um, a group of medical, in fact, 20 of the medical officers uh, of health that were involved with uh, this meeting in terms of the, the uh, viruses going on out there and how we're responding to it, uh, not responding to it. And we had such things being said as exhausted and overwhelmed and I'm feeling fearful and fatigued. Uh, current workloads are not sustainable. So we basically, you know, have, have, you know, realized that you've got two contagions that are going on here, the virus itself and the emotions that it's generating. And that's what people are having such a hard, hard time with is the emotions that are, it is generating and it is contagious. The negative emotions are every bit as contagious as the virus is. And both of them, as we well know, are toxic. Uh, you know, that's, uh, that sets up a whole, you know, a whole understanding that our feelings that we put out there, whether they're good, bad, or indifferent, are contagious. Yes, and, and even overly positive feelings can be toxic because it's almost like dismissing what's there. But, you know, this, this information that we're getting is showing that we have to become very much more aware of our capacity and the tools that we're being taught you know, even from little kids right. into adulthood around how to how to deal with stress in terms of being able to meet it with awareness instead of collapse. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, freeze, collapse, run away. Uh, um, those are those hide. Are yeah, <laughs> classic childhood stuff. Um, and you know what? As adults, we feel that uh, we feel that all the time. Um, you know, our brain draws upon memory. It doesn't create new feelings. It just simply, you know, absolutely uh, goes through it through the files very, very quickly, like in a millisecond to look for comparables. And it's like, oh, here he is having a fight with a woman. Boom, 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 boom. Oh, look, there's one, his mom. <laughs> right. That's when we end up fighting with, with somebody as though we were fighting with our moms. You know? Yes. Like, yes. What's going on here? Uh, and it's because that's how our brain works. It doesn't really create anything new. As we're going in the moment, it, it draws upon existing memories. So it's not unusual for us as adults to feel like a little kid sometimes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, one of the practices I learned a long time ago is if I was really, really upset and crying, I would ask myself, how old do I feel? A teacher had said to me, you know, ask yourself in that moment, how old do you feel right now? And usually it would be like, oh, five, four. You know, I feel, felt very, very young because it goes back to what you're saying that, yes, there is this aspect of the brain that is so powerful around, you know, memory and going into sort of the uh, not being aware of memory and recognizing, wait a minute, this is what's really happening, you know, in terms of reactivity. And right. in some shamanic cultures, very often the idea of being able to create a new future or an experience going forward requires that we become very aware of what's holding us energetically. You know, where are those threads connecting to the past? And then we continue to repeat or project it as an experience. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like if you didn't have a great relationship with your mom, you're going to be repeating those with, with women, you know, yes, and yes. if it's dad you didn't have, you're going to be repeating it with men. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's really quite amazing that, given the analytical ability of our brain and it just shows you how separate they are, you know, like our, the component parts that the emotional part doesn't generate a new inner experience immediately mm -hmm. that, that we would actually be acting on. It, right. it, it just simply goes and goes, 
oh, okay, this kind of looks familiar. And we pull out, you know, out of these files. That's me going through files. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? uh, until it finds something and says, this is comparable. This is similar. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, that that's a great way to describe it because it is sort of this, you know, these files, you know, when you're on your phone and you see all the files that are open. Yes. It's, it's, it's like, I have to, you know, close all of these before I can actually do something that is right near how here in front of me, but right. the, you know, that part of us that goes back into not having an awareness of what we're experiencing, I think is what this is also bringing up for everybody is that how often, how for so long, especially since the uh, you know, this huge surge of, of electronic media that we are not in the present moment. Right. And that's causing us to be so destabilized in terms of, our felt sense of awareness that the brain is just taking over to try to search for something that's, am I safe? Do I know this? Is this familiar? Because that will be the, what that does is the body is it reassures us to feel that, Oh, I know what this is. This, this is familiar. Right. And, and I think there's, there's no, there's no uh, footing. There's literally no footing when we are so reactive. And again, it goes back to, all right, this is an opportunity for us to start learning how to work with emotions because there will be another virus that comes around at another time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. There's at least, you know, some sort of an illness, let's say anyways, in our our lives, you know, that's, that's almost a foregone conclusion. Um, That searching, you know, searching for what has happened is just sort of an indicator as to how we need to close up some of those doors. You know, some of the old ones that take us way, way, excuse me, way, way back to being eight years old. You know, there's a saying of, you know, I left town driving and I was 40 years old and I drove into my, my old hometown and now, you know, I'm uh, feeling about 20. Drive down my parents' street, I'm about 15, pull into the driveway <laughs> at 12 and now I'm sitting on my mom and dad's sofa and I'm eight years old. <laughs> it's the regressive drive, right, you know? Right, and We do do that, you know, it's when we go back into like an old environment uh, anything that we know, we will often fall back into that place. Yes. That's why we start arguing or, or, or you know, kibitzing even with our parents the way we did when we were eight, 10, 15, doesn't matter. Yes, yes. And, and I think that that's where I know that Dan Siegel has done a lot of work with the brain and the amygdala and the fight or flight and that reactivity. And yes. part of it is looking at how animals respond to shock. And I think one of the one of the videos that's often used is showing I believe it's a deer and the deer gets startled and then it sort of shudders, it shakes it off, you know? And that's where, you know, our physicality, we, we've, we kind of have forgotten about the body and how the body is so helpful to actually help us move these emotions instead of trying to think them away. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's like, if you do something with your body, then it can absolutely shift whatever's been in there. And right. The because they're all like in these little bubbles. I see it. You know, these little bubbles are floating around just waiting to be called upon. Yes. <laughs> to break open and, and recreate something. Yes. Yes. You know? So, I mean, it certainly, you know, highlights why we're so habitual. Oh, yeah. Our feelings are habitual. Yeah. So our, yeah. our, our activities are going to be habitual unless we are, you know, have that mindfulness and awareness and the felt sense. In other words, all of your senses are experiencing what's going on. That allows us to be in our body. It allows us to make different decisions. It does. It does. And it it allows us, I find, to feel more curious or be comfortable with curiosity and unknown. But that's such a great and childhood quality that I think we lose. It is. It is. You know? Or being awestruck. Yes. You awestruck. Know, awe, just like, you know, when I see mountains or I see beautiful flowers or plants or whatever, sometimes I'm just in awe of them. Yeah. You know? A. Hendricks uh, has a thing where he talks about wonder questions and mm. it's to cultivate that childhood you know awe and wonder and curiosity and playfulness because we absolutely you know forget that when we look at the the complexity of a plant or a tree or a root system or even our physical bodies the physiology that is just unbelievably intelligent and and again that pause of being able to slow down and notice our breathing noticing our senses it does allow us to meet any, you know, any uh, sort of urgent need that's in front of us with a different energy behind it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think part of this with the healthcare workers is also perhaps there will be 
education or, or lessons involved where how they can buffer both when they're stepping into an urgent frontline situation and how, what do they do afterwards, afterwards. in terms of recalibrating? Because that, that's why it, it becomes this, this successive, you know, pylon, which will eventually break the tower. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the, well, we call that debriefing in my, my <laughs> you know, we do something and then we debrief, you know, when I'm training right. students and then we, we do an exercise or something and then we debrief it so that people don't carry out, you know, whatever sort of happened for them. The, the availability of, though of emotion is I think what blocks us, you know, it's like, um, curiosity and playfulness and that awe that we talk about being child qualities, it's about carrying those forward with us. Because in that state, kids are very brave. Kids, yeah. kids are creative and innovative and they, they find things to do with pots and pans and you know, whatever there is, they will find a way to work with it. But when we as an adult don't have that present for us that that grouping and instead we're stuck in that child grouping of fear and uncertainty and don't know and what should I do and I wish my parents were here and you know uh, someone big to take care of us and tell us what to do then we're going to freeze we're going to freeze we're going to run we're going to hide we're going to get smaller and smaller and we're going to feel if we can stay in touch with that we're going to feel ourselves actually almost decreasing in stature we yes. Being about four foot, three foot six. <laughs> yes, <know>? yes. <laughs> and speaking of stature, I mean, that's where a lot of the, you know, some of the newer mindfulness practices are around striking a pose that is meant to be the metaphor of, you know, Wonder Woman or Superman or, you know, how would it feel to be a gorilla or, you know, a jaguar? And the indigenous cultures often use that around calling that energy in because, again, we're connected, but it allows us to have a felt sense of how we need to show up. And then when we feel it, we won't feel as if we're constricting and shrinking in size. That, you know, that that sense of becoming empowered is is really an alignment and knowing that, oh, this fear piece is here. It's okay that it's here. Oh, and this little five-year-old that I feel right now, that's okay that this is here. And I have the adult. And I have the adult. Exactly. Exactly. Right. That, you know, that child, I mean, this episode's called Who's Driving the Bus? Is for a great many people, that child is still in charge. Oh, yes. And the adults kind of sitting back and going, you know, okay, uh, you know, uh, and not doing very much. It's almost like the adult will kind of see what they can get away with uh, before they'll step in, you know, and, and take over. Um, which is most unfortunate, really, but uh, <laughs> it is. and it's it's very painful because I, I think that, you know, in terms of learning, you know, we don't understand what it is, why we're why we're having such intense emotion to a particular event or to a particular person in our lives. And it's until we start to really work with it and see it differently then we can recognize, oh, right, this is related to the relationship I had with a sibling or one of my parents. But otherwise, it's a tremendous source of suffering. It is. It is. Because it's, uh, um, it's any time that we step outside of our comfort zone, our brain really, a part of our brain really does seek that status quo all the time. All the know? time. Uh, all the time. It's, it's like just, it's like a radar going status, status, that, Oh geez, we're here. We are up against non-status. So what do we do? Uh, and, and it can actually be, as you said, a definite point of suffering because those are feelings are really, really old and they were uncomfortable back then. They're even more uncomfortable today mm-hmm. because they're not, they're not reconcilable. Right. You know, we, we can't really reconcile those. You can't really process those other than to know that, You've got this child voice, this child energy still in us, which is wonderful because it does carry with it curiosity and magic and all of those things that, you know, I think keep, keep adults young and, and vibrant and, you know, the whole thing is maintaining all of those child things. So, um, you know, some people, you know, probably are going, oh, no, you know, inner child work or whatever. And, you know, that's really not what that's about. It's about claiming sort of an understanding that energetically we have these, this youthfulness that, that holds old feelings in it, which are emotions, mo, you know, energy and motion, uh, and that we want to be able to bring those into some sort of an alignment with our new energy, which is our older 
somewhat older, uh, <laughs> but aging energy <laughs> that we carry with us. And I will never grow up. Uh, <laughs> good, good. good. <laughs> uh, I like that saying. Um, so uh, I think understanding it energetically rather than trying to see, you know, what you looked like as a little kid and, you know, all of mm-hmm. those things. I think we need to embrace that child, though. You know, we need to find a person oh, yeah. when we were little and just, you know, really go, wow, you really went through crap, kid. <laughs> you know, uh, and and that, you know, that calming voice of the adult that states, mm-hmm. it's okay. You know, you can get out of the seat. I'm going to drive now. Yeah, and a very powerful, again, it goes back to being able to actually realize that we can intentionally direct our thoughts. We can absolutely we, you know, I think a lot of people, I know myself, that it takes a long time to sort of realize, wait a minute, I can actually choose. I can actually make a better choice. But Absolutely. it sometimes feels impossible. Sometimes it just feels like, no, I'm in the throes of this pain and, and I can't see out of it. The only, way, the only thing that we can see is our ability to get back into where we were. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's yeah. a, it's a yeah. one-way thing. And if I get thrown out of that comfort area, yeah. whether it's good for me or not, right. uh, I will freeze, I will get, you know, confused, I will, you know, uh, all kinds of things will happen into my brain. And all I want to do is get back to where I was. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're hearing right now is we want to get back to the way it was. Yeah. That's red flag right there. Red flag. Right there. Because that is a, a, uh, a direction that has no, you know, no knowledge to it. It's a direction that, uh, it it just isn't going to go anywhere. There's no growth there. No back. growth. And it's over. It's, it really is. It's the acceptance piece around, yeah. oh, you know, it's, it, we don't. Oh, tell me what we're going to accept as soon as we come back from these commercial breaks. You're listening to Things Worth Considering. And Alexia and Gord will be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non-judgmental, dynamic educational environment. We believe learning is much more than just theories. It is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself. Our physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual selves are embraced and nurtured, learning how to create an internal balance. This is Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training. Since 1988, we continue our mission of spiritually focused education for all who seek. We offer integrative personal development and professional training in spiritual psychotherapy, holistic health care, spiritual director, coaching, and esoteric studies. We are located in Lawrence Park in Toronto on Young Street, north of Lawrence Avenue. It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. Transformational Arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Riddell. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info at spiritgrows.ca. Now, back to Things Worth Considering. Hi, and welcome back. Uh, This is Things Worth Considering, and we are talking about the little family of people that live inside of us from our adult to our child, and they're alive and well, and they're they're vying for some sort of uh, appreciation, some sort of notice. Attention. uh, Attention, you know. Uh, just like the, you know, the two, three, five, ten year old that's jumping up and down in front of you saying, look at me. Uh, except that somehow over, over our, our growing up or maturing, I don't know if it's maturing quite yet, um, period that, um, our, our child experiences often overshadow everything that we're going through. So when, when we get into that, that position, um, we, we can get really overloaded. 
we can get overloaded by really, really old feelings. And you know, when that that overload begins to happen, and and we we're using up, you know, much of our inner resources you can possibly imagine, um, we we start making poor decisions uh, for ourselves. You know, it, we we're looking to make decisions to get me the hell out of here. Yes. Get out of this. Very situation. well said. Yeah. You know, that's really what the decision making is really about, and it, and the, and we break down and we we burn out. Oh, I'm sort of in that order, you know, yeah. uh, you know, but by taking care of ourselves, you know, it's sort of like, can we build a better resilience to being in this? Now, Peter Levine um, does work in this area, um, and this is some of his work, uh, but it's also, you know, the inner family uh, systems is another, another uh, Schwartz is, is, is uh, head of there, uh, but it goes way back into doing, you know, Virginia Satir and, and doing family sculpting and uh, goes back to Rumi. Well, yeah, you know, absolutely. Rumi, the guest house, right? Yeah, Rumi yeah. talking about this, this being human is like having this house of guests, <laughs> and and true. and you you invite them to tea. I mean, he wasn't referring to children, but basically the essence is still the same. You know, yes. how do you? And he's and he, and I thought poem is so powerful where it's like, wow, this is what he was referring to. That's right, and yeah, and that's what we live all the time. You know, it's like. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's a you know I forgot about that poem actually. Uh, that's an old one. Yeah. It's an old one, twelfth century know, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's when it was around. Yeah. You know, yeah. so um, yeah, I'm going to have to drag that one out because it's really it's it really is like yes, having having entertaining this. But when we don't entertain properly, just like in real life, is is that if that party turns into a disaster because one person's out shouting the other one and the other one's trying to get attention and you have this whole thing, except rather than being outside, it's going on inside of you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No. So there's, there's like, you know, the scared part of us, the scared child, you know, that's like, ah, you know, wants to jump out of the driver's seat. And then there's the demanding kid. that's like, I'm staying in this seat because I know how to drive this bus. Uh, and, and they're, they're at odds. They're like pulling at each other, trying to get off, you know, pull off yeah. that seat just yeah. so that, uh, um, you know, one can overpower the other. But then, you know, we've also got sort of some adult component parts that aren't necessarily, you know, totally balanced. They're on route, uh, but, you know, they can get in there too. Um, you know, when you have, um, I'm sure we've all seen it when you've got a house full of kids and they're all yelling and screaming. And then now we've got mom and dad screaming too. Mm-hmm. We, mm-hmm. And they've gone back to being eight-year-olds. We have a household right. of eight-year-olds. There's no adults present. Right. Right. You know, and so that's what that part is going on inside of us when we yes, can yes. feel like everyone's yelling and screaming. So, you know, um, uh, Peter Levine works with uh, this thing called somatic experiencing and that, you know, it's like through the body, what, you know, different parts of us are there in the energy and so on. And, you know, he really works with, you know, the more that we're able to know these various parts of ourselves and the behaviors associated to them the more grounded we'll, we'll be, you know, that we can kind of stay in our bodies because of course, once that goes on in our head and we get all that, 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 that chatter going on, we check out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can, I can watch a student or a client go right out the window. <laughs> right. you know, they look right. at it, It's like, you can see their energy go right out the window right. because they're getting overly, overly uh, simulated. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that, you know, the, the work is so powerful to be able to, spend some time to get to know these parts of ourselves. And again, that idea of, of developing a relationship with the physical body and using touch or senses to get back in touch with being present and being grounded. You know, it goes back to what we've spoken about in previous episodes around the importance of earthing or being in nature or mm. really letting ourselves even use our imagination, which is like being a child to say, oh, I wonder what it would be to to be like an eagle or wonder what it would feel like to be this toad or this right. fish. And, and, you know, how I'm using that, right, not, right. But basically as soon as we start to imagine something else, it's as if we're you know, in front of this chessboard and instead of that, you know, that same move, that same pattern, we suddenly see an opening somewhere else. Yes. And it's, it's, you know, we don't know the outcome because I think that's the other part is that very often what I've seen is, you know, when people go into taking care of themselves around eating right, doing yoga, meditation, da, 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 if they're not doing it from a place of being grounded, then it just goes back into spinning 
yes. into the same ideas of, you know, whatever else is going on. It It's overwhelm. And so anything that's there, like relationships, you know, like I think Peter Levine has said, anything becomes stressful because again, we're not recognizing that we can pull ourselves out of the chaos right. and be more centered and grounded. And that's where I think physical movement and uh, any kind of um, work that allows us to stop the words, you know, or use, use as color or a sound or maybe one word, maybe calm instead right. of the story. When we're overwhelmed, we, we uh, can listen to uh, things that are good for us. You know, the diet, exercise, uh, uh, meditation, on and on. But we don't move towards them. We pull them into overwhelm. Exactly. And it's exactly. just more things to get caught up in this tornado going around. But now, now it's like, oh, now I have to meditate. Now I have to do this. Now I have to do that. Plus, I'm doing all the other stuff. Um, so we don't move towards it. We don't, we don't, as you said, you know, sort of pull ourselves out or extract. We just simply pull all that stuff in. Right. And so overwhelm right. just becomes even more overwhelmed and we feel even more vulnerable and more childlike uh, because we can't get to, you know, I know it should be doing this, but we don't. Well, and I think it's the disconnect ultimately from the self around, you know, I, I saw this, um, I can't remember his name now, uh, Pierre. Oh, he was, a, uh, he was visiting Toronto and he was, um, he's a Buddhist monk and he was doing a, a, a uh, presentation and one of the things he said was that he said i'm i'm not busy my schedule is busy yes <laughs> but he said i'm not busy so so that little you know shift in awareness of going wait a minute i, I that's true i can actually cultivate this buffer to to recognize there's a lot that's out here but i inside can be very calm and I can choose to meet now for frontline workers and emergency nurses and physicians and practitioners. Of course, there is an urgency. There is absolutely, you know, I, I can see how that is incredibly overloading and demanding. Well, it's not only the energy internally, you're in that energy. Exactly. Because everybody else is putting it out there. Exactly. And rightly so, but it, it, it you know, it permeates. We, so we have our inner construct outer, you know, permeating and it's, it's very overwhelming. Very, very overwhelming. And, and again, I think that it is possible to be able to, even though there's, there's, you know, a lot of, of chaos going around, you can still work with having an awareness of including the self and reminding that, okay, I've got to do something very urgently and I'm still here, but this is a, a real practice. And it really I, is. Cool. And most people who, who went into, into being caregivers in any capacity, you know, you really have no sense of self. No. Their sense of self comes from caregiving. Mm, very interesting. Very that's interesting. Their, that's their purpose. I'm here to help people to give care. You know, so when when it's like, okay, so where are you in this picture? They're like, well, what do you mean? I'm here to take care of them. It requires 100%. And that's what leads to the burnouts. That's very interesting because, you know, with burnout, and I call it breaking open because I think that it's very powerful you know, a very purposeful journey, Absolutely. but it's, it's something that, you know, requires that when we disconnect from ourselves, when we abandon ourselves, but very interesting about the people that, you know, tend to go into caregiving professions and, and getting a sense of, you know, that's who I am and identifying with that label. That's part of it. When we identify too much with these labels, right. then we run into trouble because there's too much attachment. Yeah. I differentiate between the caregiver and the caretaker. Hmm, interesting. How so? The caregiver gets paid for what they do. The caretaker takes care of everybody and usually ends up getting screwed in the end. <laughs> There's no payout. All right. Funny the words caretaking, right? Caretaker. Yeah. That. It has a, you know, just, it has a different feeling to it than caregiving. Caretaking. Yeah. Caretaking, but yeah, but you, it's, it's almost like taking on too much, taking, taking on, on too, too much, much right? or being taken from you. Mm-hmm. As opposed yes. to being given to you for the that's care. very interesting. Yeah, so the taking is a you know you care, but they take. Yes, giving is you know a two way street. Yes, so it doesn't mean that it's not stressful. You know? No, not not stress. It is stressful, and it's but it's also another thing. A way of using language is also to look at. Sometimes it's not about overgiving. It's around there's a giving, but it's also an offer. 
because yes. I think that helps with making boundaries a little bit healthier is around this is an offer and someone has a choice as to whether or not they want to accept instead of, you know, give, give, give. I mean, you know, my background growing up in, in a, a Greek Orthodox household, I think a lot of people can appreciate from various cultures, but food is a big thing. What do you mean? Yeah. You, you, you need to eat more, take it. What? You don't want it, right? More. Yes. Yes. And, and you don't have, you know, it just, it doesn't matter if someone says no to you, you still give it to them. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I visited those homes. I didn't go to <laughs> Is there anything to eat today, Mom? <laughs> <laughs> the Scottish family. Uh, I mean, we certainly, you know, ate, but it wasn't not. There's no focus on that <laughs> in the family. So it's, it's that's very funny. Yeah, this was once I made. I would on a picnic. I remember going, and I had I had brought brought boiled eggs with me. Ironically, that the Orthodox Easter was just this past weekend. But anyway, I had, this was years ago, and I a friend of mine who doesn't even eat eggs typically. I I ended up convincing her to eat about four or five eggs and it was just not okay right but anyway <laughs> eat eat and then you yeah. watch them going nauseous and you're like, now you're eating <laughs> uh, you know um the thing when we are in this sort of survival mode is that you know almost anything that's going on we're going to see as a threat you know, yes, because we're at such base survival, and that's what that's I think a lot of what's going on out there. You know, now the other I think I mentioned I'm not sure the other night I uh, after uh, uh, you know working all day I decided to go out walking at about quarter after seven, it's intentionally at quarter after seven because at seven thirty the neighborhood all comes out right. and they start banging and and right yes we heard it we heard it last time a little bit in the background it yes, was fantastic yes, yes, yes. yeah. So, um, I went out so that I, I was actually walking along and I was able to look up at the the apartments and the people that were out. And the people, you know, the people that were out there making noise were so engaged in mm-hmm. in that whole thing, you know, that the, the threat was no longer there. Their presence wasn't threatened. Uh, you know, none of those things was happening. You know, right. they were just wanting to make noise that says thank you to all those people who are out there risking their own lives for us, you know, in, in terms of frontline people. Yes. Um, but I just I just got such a, a, a buzz out of being in their buzz. Kind Absolutely. Of thing, well, it's know? infectious. It really is. It's infectious oh. in a positive way because I, you know, I felt dumb. I was the only person. I'm walking down the street. I don't even have a drum, you know, <laughs> or a whistle or anything. I'm just like looking around, like what's going on? Here? You could clap. You could clap your hands, I clap. right? I could have. Yeah. yeah. I, w- I really wanted to just be part of that feeling. Yeah. You know, yeah. Take, take in the uh, the emotion of it. Uh, but yeah, we we. Uh, get so involved in the threat the threat yeah. and that's where we are i think that's where, where we are right now you know people are threatened by the money's move changing and so they're made they're starting to make mad, bad decisions right now we impulsive. need to up. impulsive yes yeah. yeah and impulsive yeah. is is that's where you know this this reactivity comes from and again you're right it's when you're in that state of fear you know, you just, you don't think clearly because you can't physiologically, you cannot you think yeah. clearly because yeah. you have rapid fire going on with thoughts mm-hmm. and this immediacy sense of it has to happen now, which is why the practice of being as much as possible in the moment or recognizing, oh, my heart is racing or my breath is very short right now. Like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing shallow breathing and noticing things like irritability, excessively irritable. That's one of the big signs with burnout is that it starts to appear in in family relationships and relationships with with colleagues where there's irritability there's a feeling of separation or isolation yeah. you know depressive and those those that's important why we have to recognize wait a minute I'm not really okay and what do I need to do to shift this right we usually have one last raw nerve left when that happens and someone steps on it <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like that's, okay. that's so true. That's, that's as far as I go. That is um, so true. And the poor person who stepped on, I didn't even know what was going to about to happen on them. Uh, yeah, just having that awareness of, you know, how many nerves have you got left that you're willing to, you know, come out with. Yeah. Yeah. The, ba- the bad decision making, though, is I'm seeing that now happening because the whole money thing. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, they are wanting to open up things way too soon in order to start making money. On that note, I have to come back. We're going to come back. You're listening to Things Worth Considering, and we'll be right back. 
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non-judgmental, dynamic educational environment. We believe learning is much more than just theories. It is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself. Our physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual selves are embraced and nurtured, learning how to create an internal balance. This is Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training. Since 1988, we continue our mission of spiritually focused education for all who seek. We offer integrative personal development and professional training in spiritual psychotherapy, holistic health care, spiritual director, coaching, and esoteric studies. We are located in Lawrence Park in Toronto on Young Street, north of Lawrence Avenue. It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll-free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. Transformational Arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Riddell. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info at spiritgrows.ca. Now, back to Things Worth Considering. Hi, welcome back. Uh, this is uh, Things Worth Considering, and we are considering what the hell's going on out there? <laughs> and why, why is everybody feeling this way? And we, we are trying to give some ideas as to what's going on. Now, we were just talking about, I think we just arrived at money and making bad decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, that um, whether it's uh, uh, Trump, I, I can't even say his name hardly, and, uh, or Mr. Ford, who is thinking I was doing a great job. Mr. Ford is very, very cautious about what's going on. Um, Anderson Cooper on CNN, uh, just prior to um, us coming here, was um, interviewing the mayor, <clears throat> excuse me, the mayor of uh, Las Vegas. <clears throat> and she's quite insistent that, you know, the place should open up. And they're, they're not getting, they're starting to see that there's, there could be a second wave here. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would, you know, to pull, put everybody out there and the second wave hit, it, as they said, it'll be fine for about three weeks. You know, but right. It's the problem until it hits. Right. You know, and then it will be like all this time that we've spent in isolation is gone to, it's, gone, it's just a waste. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, it's basically not, not taking the lessons and not, not really revering or getting a sense of, okay, this was very serious. This is something we have to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. And, and just because with money, of course, that goes into fears around not having, having enough you know, losing the idea of losing money. And again, I think that going back to resilience, it doesn't let us believe that we have the adaptability and, you know, money is energy as well, right? It, it sort of moves, it circulates. Our relationship with money as a collective, I think is, has not or, been good, not no. been good for a long, long time. No, uh, money, money uh, to me is our metaphoric replacement for energy. You know, if you, we look at sort of in the early days, we did bartering. Right. You did something for me and I gave you some carrots. Right. And then you gave me an onion or two. And right. then you know, we, we went back and forth. But then at some point it, it began to get bigger and bigger. And there, there wasn't enough onions for you to give me for all those carrots that I was providing and, and so on. So we, we invented this thing called money. Right. You know? But it was actually this energy, you know. I mean, that's what we do when we do an energy work is we exchange mm-hmm. energy, you know, or, yes. or whatever. And and you know, I think that it's also very much become a, a metaphor. Uh, uh, for love, mm. people who don't have enough mm-hmm. money usually don't think there's enough love in the world either. Mm, interesting in, in their personal life, right? Right. I think that there's a real correlation between between all those things. So that money is an energy; it's like an emotion. It has to be kept in 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 motion, in circulation. Yeah. Um, but most of us are trying to get as much as we can and put it over here underneath the mattress. Right. All right, just so everyone knows, there's nothing under my mattress, okay? <laughs> um, but, you know, metaphorically. So, um, but, but the thing is, is that when we do that, it, uh, it's almost like creating this block, all right? The paper that it's printed on has absolutely no 
value until you say, I will give you this if you will give me that $20 piece of paper. Right. And we'll call that fair exchange. Right. Right. So it gets, it gets very convoluted in terms of how we value things. And, and, you know, I'm sorry, I'm going to say this right up front. Anyone, because people entertain us, they, whether, whether they're a singer and brilliant, you know, an actor and they're brilliant or a brilliant sports star are not worth $10 million when I'm seeing social workers and nurses that are barely keeping it together. And yet they're the ones that keep us together when we fall apart, literally, physically and mentally. Yeah, I agree 100% with you. And that's where this, I'm hoping as a, as a, as a humanity to wake us up around looking at, you know, the discrepancy between this exchange of energy and what we're valuing, you know, because if someone is in the hospital, I mean, you know, you know that you value the attention from the nurses and the doctors, you value the care. And yet, or the social social worker that is, that is helping somebody, you know, yeah. Right. Yeah, you know. And and then why is it that, that you know there's more value where whether someone's you know sure financial institutions we need them but again the discrepancy of how much value is put in a particular position where there's very little emotional exchange or there's 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 very little real sort of kind of uh, in the trenches touching reality right being able to be be able to walk on the street and see someone on a street person and look them in the eyes yes. and actually say hello to them as a person and recognize that, wow, that could be me. How would I like it if someone yeah. just ignored me all the time? They're by the grace of God, you know, exactly. I mean, just, uh, it is. And, you know, in, in a heartbeat, literally a heartbeat, any one of us could be changing positions with that person that you're yes. talking about. Yes. You know? yes. But, because, because you, you know, someone entertains us, which takes us away from our own pain, then mm. therefore they're worth $5 million, $10 million for a season. And I just go ballistic. I can't even tell you when I know, you know a couple of social workers with a couple of kids, single parents, single moms, and they're just barely making it. Yeah. But they believe so much in the work that they're doing, and they're brilliant at right. what they do socially. Right. socially. Right. So, uh, yeah, we're... And, and I think that we've got an opportunity here to actually look at where does our value go from here? It, it's exactly. It's like, what are we choosing to value? And because as a society, we've driven those pay scales up with entertainers. You know, that's, that's coming from us. You yes, know, that, yes. that somehow, you know, remember it, back in the day, actors were very poor. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't something where it was just all this glory. And again, that sense of, of being heroic. I do think on, on the pro side that people that are in those positions, if they are choosing to be wakeful and conscious that the money and the power that they have can be very, a very positive influence. Yes. As long as they keep choosing to say they realize their privilege without feeling guilty, but but recognize that it, it is actually being asked of them then to do some more good with it instead of just for the self. Absolutely. And, and so because privileged. you know, there's lots of actors and, and, and athletes that do contribute. Oh, the, absolutely. There's no question about that. You know, yeah. uh, uh, but with you know, great uh, uh, privilege comes great responsibility. It's very true. And very true. some people don't accept that responsibility, but yet they want the privilege and the trappings that go with that privilege. Yes. Yes. You know, so if they were taking that and in, in funding something or, you know, I mean, I know that they're, they they give a certain amount uh, and so on. I, I actually believe that uh, Justin Bieber was made a very sizable contribution towards um, the, the COVID-19 uh, thing that's going on. And, you know, um, you know, kudos to him and everybody else mm-hmm. you know, doing mm-hmm. that. But then, you know, there's also a couple of there's a Canadian uh, thing on on Sunday. There was an American one on on Sunday um, of uh you know, artists getting together and, you know, uh, performing and, and so on. Uh, now, interestingly, the American one, uh, uh, there were so many people had given money before they even went on the air. They'd already raised $50 million from very sizable wow. uh, sources. Uh, the Canadian one, I don't think they were as aggressive. And, and they're saying, we are going to ask you to make a donation tonight. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, well, that's yeah. really, that's unfortunate. Maybe, maybe they'll be like, you know, over the top by the time they go on the air on Sunday. You know, maybe, but, maybe. Yeah. 
Yeah, but it's just kind of like, you know, you also, you know, you also have a hard time when you're barely scraping through to keep hearing uh, about, you know, can you give more? Can you give more? Can you give yeah. more? Yeah. So, and then once you get once, it's like 10 letters is going to come in that year. You know, it's like, it's that time of the year, that time of the month, whatever, uh, to give some more. So well, um, going back to what you said earlier on uh, this being an opportunity as well. Yeah. Um, and I was reading, uh, there's a guy named John Perkins. He's a chief, chief economist. He was an author and activist and he, was known for writing, and he is known rather, Confessions of, of an Economic Hitman. But this article he talks about is the, the prophecy of the eagle and the condor. And he says that it began more than 2,000 years ago, but basically back in the midst of history, human societies took two routes. The eagle peoples flew the path of the mind of science, technology, and industry. The condor peoples flew the path of the heart of passion, intuition, and spiritual connections with nature. Hmm. So he says that now, now 500 years later, the prophecy is being fulfilled again. The eagle and the condor are coming together to create higher consciousness. And really? this is where he is writing the coronavirus is giving us a new perspective and a new opportunity to fulfill the prophecy of the eagle and the condor, which is really quite fascinating when you think of, okay, this won't be business as usual. We can't go back. Hopefully the whole, all the healthcare workers and, and, you know, everyone who's involved, the corporations that all of it will actually see that way we need to create a better balance and we need to shift the way scale of value. We value humanity. We value the environment. Right. We value the earth, but now we have to put that money into those places That's that right. are going to make effective change. Yeah. Yeah. We may, you know, when we talk about that balance and, and you know, a, a reevaluation, it's not like we know what that even looks like. Exactly. It's a, it's I a, agree. We, we know that has to change. So it's not like anyone is sitting here with any answers. So just so that people aren't thinking, well, what do we do? I don't know what we do, but I do know the way it is, isn't working. Yeah. And the earth just told us that. Yeah. In terms of the you know, introduction of this virus or our, our minds. Uh, created it, which I'm still well, thinking. and that's a very good point because I do think that contributing to overwhelm can be the sense of, oh my God, what do I do? How can I help? Because it is overwhelming. So I think that part of it is getting more awareness of what is in your own individual sense of being and your own relationships and your own community. Because mm. taking on the entire world, I mean, we we can't we, as as we can do it as as a collective and within our our groups more people coming together, but it has to start with us first. Yes. Yeah. And I think there's also too, a learned helplessness. Very interesting have, point. Yes. Have to take the risk mm -hmm. of saying, what about this or putting ourselves out there? You know, there's a lot of people that it's very, even though it's stressful, is safe to be a follower. Yes. That's and very the, well said. The risk of being a leader though, you know, is very stressful and you risk, you risk being kicked off of your, in, out of your leadership role yeah. because you risk to offer suggestions as to what that might look like. Right. Right. You know? right. And I think that part of, you know, burnout and overwhelm is that very often it's a sense that, you know, the, the, the leadership I believe needs to be an awareness where it's not so much the personality and where do we access energy? We access energy and we feel aligned. We were talking about this in the last episode through connection. Yes. And connection into the environment, connection with the earth, having an awareness of the divine or consciousness or whatever it is, mm -hmm. the great mystery, that that in itself helps the body. So it's not so much of I'm taking all of this on, I'm shouldering the weight. It's a sense that this is a role that I'm mm -hmm. stepping into and to be resourced or reconnected to whatever gives me the energy so I can continue is one of the biggest things people can do to prevent burnout and overwhelm Absolutely. is realizing it's not just them. It's, it's not the, their the small self. Right. Right. It's a, yeah, it's, it's, well, it's the small self bringing in all the big guns. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Know? Through, through them. Right. Yeah. Through them, you know, that it works through you and, and moves you around and, and, uh, it's, you know, but I think it needs to have that awareness that starts inside, you know, that, that interconnection 
uh, you know, like we started off with, with Peter Levine stuff is, is uh, we need to know where all of our parts are, what our parts are saying. And, and the one that we need to know the most now at our age uh, um, is our adult voice. It's calm. Mm-hmm. It's collected. It's very reassuring for all the other parts that are running around going, ah, you know, and, sh- yeah. and shaking their hands in the air. Uh, what do we do? What do we do? Uh, yeah. Well, let's just start by sitting down and taking in a really deep breath, you know, and, and that breath, that is, that was, you know, the, the, the divine maker, whatever, you know, that was his, her way of saying, you don't need a pill. I'm going to give you a built-in anti-anxiety mechanism, mm-hmm. and it's called breathing. Because Amazing. what it can do, you know, if people do it properly, but the problem is, again, the more out of touch we get, the shallower our breathing becomes, and, and when that happens, then our bodies are re- responding to a place of, I'm not getting enough oxygen. Right. And so now the actual organism itself is, is starting to now get very anxious also, because we're breathing so high up inside of yes. our, our body. Yes. So yes. You say, stop. <sighs> and here I am. You know, and everybody inside just calm down. <laughs> it is almost that miraculous. Yeah, and 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 it is that. It is absolutely. I mean, I think that's why so many people find it very powerful to do yoga and connect with the movement and breath. But yep. that awareness of breathing and knowing that, you know, we cannot, we can't consciously stop our breath. No. You know, no. it's, we're, we're being the idea of, you know, wait a minute, we're not breathing. We are being breathed. Yeah. You know, that, old, that old saying, yeah. where, you know, we are being like breathed. It. And That's as soon right. as you realize, wow, I'm in this body and I'm being breathed, then who is it that's suffering? Who right. is it that's having pain? And, and, exactly. and that's recognizing the little faces, the little children that are around. Exactly. Yeah. The, the thing is to say is with as natural as possible, alcohol does not help in these situations. You know what? We're at the end of our show. I want to remind people that uh, we uh, have a compassion circle, uh, which is now we call the the virtual edition. Uh, it's an energy meditation. If you'd like to join us, uh, it's free. It's on Zoom, and it's uh, uh, every Friday evening at seven o'clock. It lasts about forty minutes, and the entry code is eight eight zero three seven nine three eight six. We welcome you to that. And of course, listening to. Uh, Things Worth Considering is every Thursday at 8 o'clock, and uh, we're going to be going live in a few weeks, and you're going to be able to phone in and chat with us. So we look forward to seeing you. Voice America, you can get us on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iTunes Radio, and tune in. We're everywhere, okay? So, uh, but please consider the uh, Compassion Circle. Uh, it's an energy circle meditation, and uh, that's 880-379-386 on Zoom. And we're on Voice America. Bye for now. Thank you for listening, and we'll hear you. See you next week. Thank you for tuning into Things Worth Considering. Please join your host, Gord Riddell, for another edition next Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, think about the connections in your life and how they define who you are.